going to play with titles, but I'm also going to play with keywords. So if I was someone who is a senior accounting person and I'm aspiring to be a CFO, you need to have that on your resume. So there's a lot of different places in your resume or profile you could put that. I like to tell people to make sure your title is accurate. I don't want to see a title like finance guru helping companies save money every day, right? That's not a title. I'm not going to search for that as a recruiter. Hi, this is Diana Burnell O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. We hear a lot about keywords. Longtime recruiter Lisa Kojis is currently with Continuum Global Solutions. Today, she tells us how she uses keywords to find candidates, and her company is hiring. So make sure to click on the link in the show notes to view their openings, both work from home and their offices nationwide and globally. Let's jump in. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you're currently an in-house recruiter, and we do want to hear about the hiring that you're doing. But first, we want to talk about your advice for candidates right now, especially since you've been on different sides of the hiring process. You've worked Mm -hmm. for a search firm as a recruiter, and now you are an in-house recruiter. You've worked Mm -hmm. for different Fortune 500 companies. Let's talk about how companies nowadays are bypassing the search firms and having success going straight to candidates through platforms like LinkedIn? Sure. Um, LinkedIn's, of course, a very valuable resource, and most recruiters are accustomed to using it um, as one of their primary uh, networking tools, at least for the last, you know, 10 plus years. Yeah. Uh, So uh, generally speaking, I think that companies have realized that, um, you know, search firms admittedly are expensive. there's a certainly a strong value to what they do, but a lot of companies have hired talent in-house. Um, someone like myself who has experience on that side, um, but you know I can conduct 15 or 20 searches a year, and you know the value of having me in-house as a salaried employee um, is cost-effective versus uh, having to pay an executive search firm for the multitude of those searches. So I think that people are just, uh, you know, hiring internally and looking at um, internal recruiters as strong resources. And we all use tools, um, LinkedIn being one of them. And um, while there's a cost to that, you know, again, kind of the overall financial picture is let's try to do it ourselves first, especially if we have the talent in-house to do it. And there's a real efficiency there because I did speak to a friend of mine who about five years ago got that email through InMail on LinkedIn from a recruiter, an in-house recruiter at a company. And, you know, like five or 10 years ago, that was kind of rare, you know, for executives to be receiving calls through LinkedIn. They're so used to being contacted by recruiters, right? And she said it was a little new to her at first, but then she thought, gosh, she really, upon reflection, realized that she was able to get a sense of the culture of the company so much more quickly because she was 
was talking with an employee. She was talking with right. an HR manager who had a sense for the business and who had worked with the president of the company. So there's a real value, I think, that does speed along the process in the right situation, having the in-house recruiter. And I think that's a benefit to both, not just the company, but the employee. So tell me about the different range of positions for which you've gone directly through LinkedIn to find someone. Sure. I I generally do, um, based on the scope of my responsibilities, I am generally talking to director level candidates and up. So uh, vice presidents, the C-suite. And uh, those folks are generally very responsive. They use LinkedIn um, frequently. They have a lot of connections and um, they understand the value of networking, even if they're not looking as an individual, most of them are very willing to offer up a colleague's name, someone that they formerly worked with, or even um, might make suggestions on other types of companies where I could find the type of individual that I'm searching for. Um, You know, it's not the same any longer where I can use the internet and find a company name, like let's say Procter and Gamble, and I can, you know, dig around and figure out if I was looking for a marketing director, you know, who are the folks there and, you know, find the main phone number and just call up and ask for them, right? A lot of people are using, uh, everybody's work from home now, but, you know, the shift to work from home was there. The shift of um, using your own personal cell phone number and not necessarily having a a number that's accessible um, to the masses online. So a lot of things changed in the way we have to go about uh, knocking on people's doors and and sharing that there's opportunities. So um, I've, you know, Certainly, if there's a manager level person or if there's a very specific job in um, a brick and mortar location where I'm looking for someone, I will always, no matter what the level of the person, I will look and try to use those keywords, that geographic radius, the cities, um, or companies that I know to be in the area, I will look for people with keywords and company names and try to put together the puzzle um, using LinkedIn. Um, but I, I would admit that I think it's, it's primarily a successful tool for people who are, um, either specialty individual contributors, um, or, you know, a more senior level person. Well, and there's a real word to the wise here about always taking that recruiter's call, by the way, whether it's an in-house recruiter or a search firm, because even if you're not looking today, you might be next year. So it's important to establish those relationships and always be open because you never know. You never know when you're going to need that person. So I always tell people, you know, just take the call. It only takes, you know, a minute to talk to someone and and you never know where that's going to lead. Um, But let's talk about people who are trying to move up because that can be a challenge. You know, when you mentioned keywords and we're going to dig in into that. So if someone has on their profile, let's say they're, they're an accountant and they've been doing that for five or seven years, but they really want to move into management, but they don't have it yet. So it's not in their mm-hmm. title. What can people like that do to talk about the jobs they want, the job that they're aspiring to? Keywords are really important. Uh, so whether it's LinkedIn or Indeed or any of the other um, search engines um, and tools that we might be using, keywords is generally where you're going to start. 
Um, so if I'm looking for, let's say, a chief financial officer, you know, those are the CFOs and finance director, senior director of finance. I'm going to play with titles, but I'm mm. also going to play with keywords. So if I was someone who is a senior accounting person and I'm aspiring to be a CFO, you need to have that on your resume. So there's a lot of different places in your resume or profile you can put that. Um, I like to tell people to, you know, make sure your title is accurate. I, I don't want to see a title like um, finance guru helping companies yeah. save money every day, right? <laughs> That's not a title. I'm not going to search for that as a recruiter. Um, yeah. So you need to say, you know, corporate accounting director, but you could say in parentheses, aspiring uh, CFO, or, you know, there's a summary. There are lots of places um, that you can put that you are interested to grow. Um, you know, currently developing my leadership skills by managing a team of XYZ or working across geographies. And you tell the story um, on your profile and in your summary about what it is that you're doing and what are all of the relevant skills and experiences that you are um, building today in the job you have and how they're going to benefit you and the company if they were to um, hire you into the, the next type of position that you'd like to have. Well, let's dig a little deeper into the resume or the profile, because I know candidates hate to hear how very little time a recruiter will spend at that first <laughs> glance. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you the number because it just it just is so discouraging for a lot of folks. But there's the first <laughs> glance and then there's the more in-depth look. So the resume, sure. the profile, that's just to grab your attention. Right. You can always dig in right. later. So give us some other tips for people to make sure that they get seen, because I think what I hear a lot of is, oh, I want to stand out. And to some people, standing out means using red for their color block or a font, using mm -hmm. some bar charts, you know, infographics uh, in infiltrated resumes a couple years ago. And I think they've gone away a little bit. But talk to <laughs> us a little bit about the first glance, how people can indeed stand out and how they can be found. Well, uh, put yourself in the recruiter's shoes. Right. So um, I, I spend hours and hours and hours. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but I have millions of resumes and millions of targeted individuals out there in the workplace. And I have to filter that down. So, um, again, you know, when I'm when I'm out there searching, I'm going to be doing um, creative uh, keyword uh, searching. And what's going to stand out to me are. Um, people that have a complete profile, right? So um, I, it's a sales document to me. It's an attention grabber, right? The, the point is you want the recruiter to reach out and see if you want to get on the phone to talk about your experiences and hear about the job opportunity. So if you want that to happen, um, you, you have to make an effort with your profile. It's your sales document. So, you know, the grabbers really are, complete information. Um, the grabbers to me are people's profiles who talk about their accomplishments. Um, I don't like to see something that uh, just has, you know, three, four jobs. You know, I worked at this place for these dates and my title was X. You know, what did you do there? I served customers. Like, 
that's not enough to me. That's, yeah. That kind of looks lazy to me, right? And it's not going to jump off the page as, wow, I can't wait to learn more about how this person served customers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it needs to be something that is telling your story. But the more accomplishments and the more detailed information that you're comfortable sharing, whether it's how much you saved a company money, how many people did you manage, what were the major projects and initiatives that you participated um, in getting over the finish line or led, um, uh, you know, think about the things that would come up in your performance review and what do people say about you? That's what I want to hear. I'm looking for leadership skills or I'm looking for the ability to manage operations or a function and ensuring that someone has not only the skills, um, but, you know, other attributes that are going to help them do the job and other things that make me think they could be a match for my company culture. Well, you mentioned details, and I think that's important. But let's talk about the people who are unemployed right now, because sometimes people really struggle with the potential stigma that being unemployed could lead to, even though right now with the pandemic, a lot of unemployment is entirely out of someone's control. But, you know, you always want to show that you're currently employed. At least that's what we've always been taught, right, to go from one job to another. But there's an upside, I think, to the immediacy of someone who's available. And this just happened to me, actually. I knew a manager who was recruiting for a job and I met someone and she said, oh, you know, I I saw that job posted and I might be interested in it. When I talked to the HR manager, though, she said, you know, I've actually got a ton of resumes, including people who are available today. You know, Mm -hmm. she was excited about those candidates that could really literally start on Monday. So talk about how someone who is unemployed can still put their best foot forward. Yeah, I think it's best to just be honest about the situation. So I think dates that you worked at companies are important. And if you had an end date, I'd like to see it. Um, Certainly you can put in current what your situation is. You know, I'm currently searching for just the right opportunity and describe what it is. Um, The pandemic has certainly impacted lives where jobs have been lost or companies have reduced. That's completely understandable. Um, You could have been caring for a family member. Um, You know, there are a lot of people that uh, go back and do something to continue their education. So there are many, many reasons why people aren't necessarily working. And you're right. It's not the same stigma that it used to be. Um, It's not a bad thing now to uh, keep your LinkedIn profile or other Uh, public profiles updated, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are ready to switch jobs. It just means that um, you are open to networking and open to hearing about opportunities. And and that sometimes validates that you're in the position you should be in. Um, So that's a good thing, too. Um, So for unemployed folks, you know, I think just tell the right story. Um, Again, talk about the types of flexibility you have. Can you relocate? Um, You know, are you open to different positions that, you know, might be a one-off from where you were before? If you were in a leadership role, are you open to an individual contributor role? And um, don't get caught up that there's a stigma now. I can tell you um, working for what is a newer company, we we still consider ourselves, uh, you know, a bit of a startup, even though we were a divestiture of a larger company. Um, When we have an opening, generally, um, we have 
you know, we've fought to get that position approved to hire and they have been needing it for a while and they want someone now. Or if we have a backfill situation, yeah. nobody wants to be caught um, with without someone there to do the work. So it is often a positive, a very positive for me when someone doesn't have to give two to three weeks notice or where I don't have to coach someone through what happens if you get a counteroffer, oh, what yeah. happens if they might be willing to keep you or change your job or make you happy to stay for all the reasons that you've told me you're unhappy, right? Um, so I have to work through those situations too. So um, someone not necessarily having a competitive job at the moment can be a very good thing. And that's a good reminder too about how long this process takes. You know, I was just talking to someone and you can tell the generational perspective because she's definitely Gen Z, maybe even a young millennial. And she said, God, it took a month to get this job. And I thought, you have, you know, <laughs> you have no idea. I doesn't understand. There's a lot of corporate internal uh, it, workings and approvals and processes uh, that have to take place. Um, well, and personally, too, if someone is working, you just reminded me of something that you and I are both going to do. We're both going to take off next week for spring break. And, you know, if someone is currently working, they've been at the same job, especially the longer they've been there, they're going to want to take time off. So you got two weeks notice, maybe a week or two vacation break, which I admit that if someone has been at a company for a long time, they do yeah, deserve a break. Good. Then you're looking at a whole month before you bring in that other person. And for some companies, the value of bringing in someone more immediately is really strong. So I think that's a good note to not necessarily be so embarrassed about being unemployed, especially during the pandemic, because so many people are. Correct. Well, let's talk about Continuum Global because you do have a lot of hiring going on right now. Tell us about the opportunities you have. We do. Um, we're certainly a, a very rapidly growing organization, and um, we have uh, approximately 8,000 employees in the United States alone and probably 16,000 or so globally. Um, and we run contact centers. So we are always very aggressively hiring for a new contact center agents. Um, and some of those are on the phone, customer service type of opportunities. Um, they are sometimes technical support and other times they are chat opportunities. Um, you know, it depends on the customer and our line of business and sometimes even what country you're working in. But um, generally speaking, contact center agents, they're full-time roles. Um, we have some part-time work, um, very flexible uh, scheduling opportunities, and we will train you on how to use the skills and experience you've had in other industries and how to do well in our environment. So um, definitely looking for those types of folks. And then all the way up the operations chain, we have people in uh, quality assurance, training, uh, operations supervisor type roles, um, recruiting, Lots of recruiting yeah. happens. <laughs> you need help. <laughs> uh, and, you know, certainly all the types of positions that I recruit for, um, more in the professional ranks, um, folks that might be in finance, in technology, in operations, and, you know, overall leadership roles. Well, and let's talk about the work from home, because you're a company that has a lot of people working from home. So yes. is it more than just a trend because of the pandemic? And how has that shifted? Are these are these positions that will be work from home permanently? Or is it based upon the individual's preference? Tell me a little bit more about that. 
Sure. Uh, we do have some uh, brick and mortar locations throughout the U.S. Um, so uh, specifically in about uh, six or seven locations, we do hire um, they're they're not currently uh, open, but we're slowly getting back to what would be considered normal yeah. and hiring uh, people to come in and be trained on site to work under, you know, a training team and an operations team to get to know the job. And then once comfortable could possibly deploy to a work at home situation or we may have people that want to stay in our contact centers and, you know, get in the car and go to work every day. Um, but we did shift, uh, you know, very quickly had to pivot to a work from home environment. And um, uh, people are very successful uh, in our business working from home and myself included. Um, all of our um, senior folks are are working remotely as well. So um, lots of agent opportunities and supervisory opportunities that will continue to be work at home. And then if you happen to live in, you know, a marketplace where we have operations like Boise, Tallahassee, Madison, Mississippi, Henderson, North Carolina, Anderson, Indiana. Um, you know, if you happen to be in one of those markets, then we would have, um, you know, an additional opportunity to come into a, a regular brick and mortar job and then have some flexibility thereafter. So are you posting on the job boards or should people go to your website? How do you want them to find you? Oh, sure. You can always find us um, all of our jobs are posted at our company website, which is continuumgbl.com. There's a careers uh, link on that page. And all of our positions we, we put out for, um, you know, programmatic distribution. So you'll find them on Indeed. And then um, when I'm hiring, um, some of our more senior opportunities are also featured um, as a LinkedIn job posting. And you can find them there. And we are in a tough time right now, but I feel like there's a bit of a buzz in the business world. I think people are feeling a little bit more optimistic. You know, we mentioned spring break, but I think there's a buzz in the air that the tide is starting to turn. So give us some few words of advice, of optimism for our job candidates who are out there searching, just some uplifting perspective of uh, how they can best keep going. Sure. I I think that, um, you know, we are we, we are probably busier than we have ever been. So I know that some industries, you know, hospitality or restaurant, it, it's been a tough hit. Um, but I think you should be open to considering new ways to use your experience. Um, you know, things like customer service uh, translate across many, many industries. Um, if you've got finance or human resources or recruiting or other skills, they can they can translate. So lots of companies are hiring and think about the products and services maybe that you use the most frequently and go find the companies that are playing in that industry. Right. Um, we're in the the telecom and the healthcare. Um, customer support industries. You know, those are very large, growing, thriving industries. So, um, you know, watch watch what companies are doing. Um, LinkedIn and, um, you know, Glassdoor and, and lots of other sites um, have news about, you know, what's happening in industries and what's happening with companies. And if you've got some time, um, you know, I would be looking uh, online every day and kind of thinking about, um, hey, I haven't seen that company name before. Let me, you know, go figure out 
who who they are, who do they compete with? I've never looked at their website before. You know, the the job search uh, kind of like I used to say when I was in college, my my job in college was to be a student and to yeah. be a successful student so I could move on to the next thing. If you're unemployed right now, your full-time job is figuring out what to do next. So like get up, get showered, get your coffee and like make a day of it. Um, it's not a passive situation to throw your, you know, um, profile or resume online and then just think the calls are all going to be coming to you. You know, you have to play an active role in um, keeping your name out there and and staying on top of what's happening in whatever it is that's your industry or your local market. Um, I know that there aren't a, a whole lot of in-person networking opportunities, but I, I think there are still many, many online opportunities and I'd be hunting those down. Oh yeah, there, there definitely are a lot of online opportunities, which can actually even be easier because you don't have to fight traffic. You don't have to worry sure. about trying to leave the office early on time to get somewhere and you can start exploring different towns or different types of industries. And I loved what you said about following you know, your own interests because I think sometimes the answer is right in front of us, but we mm-hmm. don't even stop to think about it. So I tell people definitely follow the companies that you love or the industries you love. You know, gaming is a great example of an industry that, you know, maybe 20 years ago, parents were rolling their eyes when their kids were on video (laughs) games. But look at the industry. It is one of the biggest and still growing industries that we have. And so they're always hiring. And so if you are going to be either a programmer or even an accountant or a marketing specialist, why not work for a company that you're excited about, that you love what they do? So I think if people start to follow their own interests and then literally follow them on LinkedIn, on Twitter, to see what those companies are doing and you'll have a better sense of where the company is headed. Are they expanding? Do they keep talking about growth? Or if there's a financial situation, maybe you might want to be leery of that company. So I think being prepared and really doing some ongoing research can then make your selection process a little more successful. Absolutely. And I think like you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, one of the things that recruiters do is provide real insight as to what's going on in that company. Um, So you can read a job description and you can, you can um, do some research on a company, but until you're talking to somebody who knows about what's going on on the inside, what's the company culture, how is it shifting and changing? um, What's the expectation of this person coming in? What are some of the major challenges and um, projects, initiatives that this person's going to be involved in from day one. You can't get that kind of good information uh, from a job posting. So you want to be talking to people um, and networking with individuals who work at the company, which is why I I also like people to have a lot of connections um, on LinkedIn, um, because I always want to see who maybe we have some mutual connections in common or um, the more you're connected to people, uh, I think the more you can, you know, utilize the tools and send somebody a note. Hey, I was approached about an opportunity at a company you used to work for. You know, can we have a quick conversation about that? Or what can you tell me about this manager? Um, You know, it, it helps you frame um, get more information about whether or not this is an opportunity you should be serious about pursuing. 
And it's okay to start where you are. Uh, another thing I hear when I talk to co- candidates who are just out of college is they're almost afraid to go on LinkedIn because they don't have contacts. And they see people like me and you with, you know, 500 contacts and more, and they see people with thousands of, of contacts. But I tell them, you know, you got to start somewhere, and then you'll be amazed at how quickly you go from 50 contacts to 500. Absolutely. It happens very quickly. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> And then I all of a sudden, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't connect with absolutely everyone, but um, I do connect with people certainly who are in my community, yeah. who work for similar companies, who went to the same college or university. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this is always a great time. Um, I encourage people to make sure that they have military service. Um, fraternities and sororities, clubs, you know, things that you've had an interest in, that's where you can find commonality with people. And and, and that's always a great, um, you know, launching point for uh, making a connection or having a, a, an introductory conversation with someone. You know, and it's easy to make small talk then. It's a conversation starter when you realize maybe you went to the same college or you know someone that you um, overlapped with that you both worked with. So um, those are all really good points. So I am going to put a link to Continuum Global in the show notes. And Lisa, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for your advice and spending time with us today. Sure. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.